Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It is a beautiful Tuesday afternoon. I'm Scoot on the air. Glad you are with us. All right, coming up this hour, we're going to talk about that special session going on in Baton Rouge. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, this is a function of talk radio. You see, we have representatives. And they don't always listen to us, but they, they do care about what we say because we're the voters and we have the option of uh, reelecting them or not. And so to some degree, they have to listen to us at least some of the time. So this is an opportunity to voice your opinion while our legislators are in session in Baton Rouge. This is a great function of, of, of talk radio. And when they're talking about the death penalty, we're talking about the death penalty. It gives them a chance to hear what you have to say. Also, there's just this idea of, of being uh, tougher on, on young criminals. And I, I think this is, um, w- without talking about um, torture or anything like that, obviously, um, I think we should be tougher on young criminals. And, and I think as our society uh, in general has been too um, too lenient, too um, understanding of, of uh, young criminals and, and, and making too many excuses for their behavior. And the excuses have, have, have led over the decades to uh, basically giving permission to young people to commit crimes. And, and to get away with it. And then that's something that needs to end. So this is something that I, I hope can come out of this new attitude from the state and our new governor that is going to be positive for uh, the city of New Orleans. But we'll get into all of that in, in just a few minutes. Uh, so the South Carolina primary. Oh, by the way, listen, I, you know, I'm really off today because uh, I usually check when, when it's somebody's birthday, when it's a rocker's birthday, I usually check to see if they're still alive. I mean, I hate that I have to do that, but it's kind of that point in the, in the life of the Scoot on the Air rock culture calendar that we kind of have to check these things. I mentioned earlier that uh, John Giles is 78 years old today. John Giles, the Jay Giles of the Jay Giles Band. He wasn't the lead singer. The lead singer was Peter Wolf, but uh, Jay Giles founded the band that bears his name. And he died in 2017. And so then I wish a happy 74th birthday to Walter Becker of Steely Dan. Well, he also passed away in 2017. So, uh, yeah, a sad, um, you know, sad day when these people are um, not old enough to not be celebrating a birthday, when they're, they're young enough to be celebrating a birthday. Also, if you're on hold, stay with us because we'll be getting to uh, more of your calls uh, coming up. you got to love LSU baseball. They start the season 4-0. and They are the defending NCAA college baseball champions, and it seems like they're just hot as hell. And the Pelicans are doing well. And the Pelicans, uh, you know, I, I really have the sense that this Pelicans team is not only going to make it to the playoffs, but make it somewhere 
in the playoffs. I don't know if they win the championship or not, but I mean, I think this is just really a, a, a great. Uh, I think this is a great time for the uh, for the Pelicans. All right, Nikki Haley. She's still running for president against uh, Donald Trump. Uh, She is uh, sharpening the contrast with Donald Trump in these uh, closing days before the South Carolina primary. Big so far in the races over Haley. But in her home state of South Carolina, her message is she is the candidate who can unite America. Donald Trump can't win. And we have to win. That's the biggest thing. Trump's 2016 primary victory in South Carolina helped cement his frontrunner status. This time around, he has the support from all the state's top elected leaders and all but one of its congressional Republicans. But Haley points out Trump lost in 2020. He has lost cases in court and Republicans have lost votes in Congress. And Donald Trump had his fingerprints on all of it. Everything he touches, we lose. How many more times do we have to lose before we say maybe he's the problem? Nikki Haley argues she is the only choice among the remaining candidates who can handle disputes with foreign leaders in a way that will keep America on solid footing abroad. I'm Ed Donahue. And uh, Haley says that she believes that the American people just don't want to see another Trump-Biden matchup. We don't want someone to go in and just get 99% of the vote, I think we need to have people's voices heard. And a lot of that is the fact that 70% of Americans say they don't want a Trump-Biden rematch. That's a real number. And Haley also says the Republicans have embraced a herd mentality when it comes to Donald Trump. I get the fact that the political class is, is putting this pressure on, but I also know the political class well. I know that, they, that there's this herd mentality they get pushed into doing it, and many of them just don't want to challenge that. Well, it's going to be interesting to watch uh, all of this. Uh, Trump is still uh, very much in the lead in the polls, and right now it looks like Trump and Biden. I'm still hoping that something happens and it's not Trump-Biden again. We talked recently on our show about these dating apps, like uh, Tinder and uh, dating apps. Uh, Apparently, um, according to a class action lawsuit, are addicting. Now, I think if you lose money on a, a dating app or if you don't get the date that you wanted or if the date turned out to be a terrible date or if, you know, it's a waste of money for you, I don't think uh, you can blame it on the dating app being addicting. Uh, I think if you're just uh, infatuated with finding the right person and you're on those dating apps more than you should be, I think that's on you. Uh, everything isn't addicting. Anyway, so now there's a claim that the dating apps are not just addicting, but that artificial intelligence has made them a breeding ground for fraud and Tinder is fighting back. We've already seen AI reproduced versions of Taylor Swift photos going around the Internet, Joe Biden's voice used to try and disrupt elections, and there are very likely to be more. So all sorts of companies, including dating apps, are trying to figure out how to fight this. When it comes to Tinder in particular, romance scams across the country have cost victims $1.3 billion in total. And while Tinder isn't responsible for scammers, its tests have shown that people are more likely to connect with other users whose IDs have been verified than not. Ian Schur, CBS News. All right, I'm Scoot, and we're going to get to some of your text messages here in just a couple of minutes. Let's go to Rome, who is uh, back with us. We lost uh, Rome a little while ago. Rome, welcome to the show. Hello, Rome. 
All right. Rome, I think you might be listening to the radio. We're going to put you on hold. Uh, if uh, Ian puts you on hold, just listen to the show through the phone. Because if you listen uh, on the radio, you're going to be behind, and uh, we're not going to ever, ever catch up with you. Uh, okay, let's go. We've got Rome. Rome, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, Scoot? I'm good. All right. Look, we're talking about tougher punishment for the kids. Okay, I understand it. But what about the ones who making the laws, breaking the laws? Where, where's they tougher punishment at? Why well, I don't, I, I don't, do? I don't know. They, I mean, they should be punished too. Uh, the fact that they, yeah. that they do that doesn't mean we should uh, let others get away with crimes. But they should it's be punished right. too. Exactly, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. But let me tell you something. When, I, when I was a kid, we feared our parents. You, you, you said you, fe- you feared your parents. Yes, we yeah. feared our parents right. because our parents was our police. Right. You know, if we did anything, we had to answer to them, and not only to them, we had to answer to anybody in our neighborhood That's because right. everybody, That's anybody exactly in right. our neighborhood was our parent. That's right. And and you that know? doesn't happen today. No, it doesn't because you know why? You got the younger parents telling you, "Don't tell my kids nothing." Yeah. That's right. You know, and and that does not help the situation at all. No, it, it doesn't, Rome. And and you're right about that. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I I think we need to do more to get to the parents because uh, obviously some parents don't care what their kids do, but they would care if they were held accountable for what their kids do, and maybe it would hold them accountable to being parents. Yes, exactly. Well, Rome, exactly. I, I enjoyed the conversation, and uh, you know, thanks for bringing up the way it uh, it used to be. And the way it used to be is the way that, it, you know, it, it worked then. It worked. Yes. I appreciate it. Thank All you, right. Scoop. Rome, thanks for listening. Let's go to Pandora on the North Shore. Hey, Pandora. Hi. Um, I want to address the um, death penalty stuff. Okay. Uh, we worked with many clients that were sent from New Orleans from the gangs and stuff. Now, uh, what, what do you mean you work with clients where you were in a... Oh, I was uh, um, in substance abuse, mental health and substance abuse okay. in the state. And okay. when they got, like, arrested, they would get sent over here by those courts Okay. to the inpatient. And um, a lot of them, they didn't have parents, and they'd be in their 50s now. Parents I know, I know. with dead are in but, jail. But everybody, here's, you know, I'm going to let you continue, no, I'm Pandora. I'm excuses but, but for no, them. I'm but, just saying it, it's such a generational thing that um, it's almost, and this, everybody's going to get mad at me, it's almost like they trained pit bulls to kill, you know? Well, and these, I, I wouldn't. these guys, that their own gang would kill them if they didn't do what yeah. they're supposed to do. That's so true. So all I'm saying is that you, a lot of them... And I'm not talking about holding parents accountable. A lot of them cannot be rehabilitated. They grew up with this as a child, you know? Yeah. Well, but when you say they, they don't have parents, you're, you're right. But, but biologically, they, they do have parents. They, they didn't just pop into the world. They didn't come no, from but a their pod, parents, you know? Were, yeah, their parents were already dead or in jail. Yeah. Other family members raised them, and they raised them to be sweepers and... Bring the stuff home, or your gang was going to kill you. What's, you know? a, what's a sweeper? A sweeper is one they send out to uh, do the dirty work, like if somebody's messed up with them, to go kill that person. And one of our clients was trained since he was nine by his uncles to be that. And um, I'm just saying that when they are parents, hold them accountable. 
but realize realize that some of it is so far back, and if they don't bring the goods home from what they're doing, their own their own gang members are going to kill them. You know. But um, the reason why I say this is not that I have any sympathy for crime, but for the death penalty. I am like, is it kinder to keep somebody that can't be rehabilitated in a cage for 25 years till he dies? Or is it kinder to euthanize them, you know? Well, that's why this is such a that's why this is such a tough uh, question, because, I mean, it's. You put it very, um, very bluntly, but that's the um, bluntness of the issue. Yes, I mean, is it kinder for the death penalty or than locking somebody up in a cage? And we pay for them, too. But I think, you know, the bigger question is we, we should address the idea that something that I talk about all the time is that these young people are trained to do what they're doing. They're trained to believe that they are nothing without a gun. They're trained to use a gun to solve a problem. They're trained to have sex as soon as they're in the mood to have sex and that it's exactly. okay to have sex with any, anybody because they see their parents do it. Exactly. So to me, that's a two-point issue. Yeah. Hold the parents accountable or, you know, if they can't be rehabilitated. Yeah. For, um, you know, it's euthanasia is what it is. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I they hate do to, dogs yeah. that kill people. So I am kind well, of ambivalent. I, I would like to see them. I would like to see the death, death penalty rather than raising somebody in a cage for 25, 30 years till they die. You know? Pandora, your perspective is very interesting because of your, your background. Um, I don't, I, I have a difficult time equating human life with, uh, with uh, dogs, as much as I love dogs, I mean, I, I can't get out of this without making somebody upset. But, um, you know, I, I know that, that, that there are some human beings who don't deserve to be treated like human beings. But, you know, I, I hate when it comes down to just assuming that they're all animals because they're, they're all not. And somebody mentioned last hour in a text that, you know, some people, um, some people are executed and, and later they find out that they through dna evidence they did not commit the crime and i believe that it is far better to let guilty people go far better to let guilty people go than to execute one innocent person so if it is a case where dna was never implied if it's a an, an open shut case and dna was applied was in, was applied and we know this is the person that's another question when it comes to the, the death penalty. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. All right, we got to squeeze some, some text messages in here. So, okay, we got to take a break. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back with uh, more on that. And also more on the, on the, on the death penalty. Um, they're, they're discussing it in Baton Rouge, and, and we should discuss it here because uh, they should be listening to our voices. All right, if you want to join us with a comment, the Okinawa Jewelers Talk and Text Line, 504-260-1870. On the Scoot on the Air Rock Culture Calendar on this day in 1969, a movie called Candy opened up it um it was uh it was a movie that starred Ringo Starr uh, Marlon Brando Richard Burton James Coburn John Houston Walter Matthau Sugar Ray Robinson and Ringo Starr were were there at the premiere the movie received an x rating because of a scene where the character Candy and a Mexican gardener Ringo Starr had sex and then other 
characters also apparently had a, a taste of candy. I'm Scoot, and we'll be back on WWL. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. All right, they're talking about the death penalty at the Louisiana uh, legislature, and uh, we should talk about it so they know how we feel because they represent us, right? I'm Scoot on the air. We're going to get to that in uh, just a few minutes, uh, but we've had a a lot of text back up, so we're going to go to Ian Hoke with a couple of your text messages. Great. Uh, I had one picked up. Oh, by the way, let's do this breaking news here. Oh, yeah. Let's do this breaking news. Okay, this is a big deal. The Alabama Supreme Court has ruled now that— all frozen embryos are children. Therefore, they're protected by the law as children. Mm-hmm. Now, this case started because some foolish person person went in uh, a clinic and apparently dropped a tray of embryos, frozen embryos. Yeah, I was reading this morning on uh, the Alabama Reflector. A patient managed to wander into the area of an IVF clinic in Alabama where they're keeping the embryos and, like, opened up the freezer and pulled out a tray of frozen embryos and then dropped the tray. So all those embryos are ruined. They're, but they're, No, those children are dead, Well, this according is, to the Alabama This is Supreme what the lawsuit Court. said is now that the, the, the people, the patients at the clinic whose embryos those were— right are suing the clinic, I believe, for a wrongful death. And the Alabama Supreme Court says, yes, you can do that. All those little frozen embryos about the size of a Tic Tac or whatever that that landed on the floor, those were children. And so this lawsuit can proceed and the, the clinic can be sued for wrongful death. Now, this could really be pretty disruptive for IVF clinics in Alabama who are now going to be concerned that they're going to be held accountable for any embryos that don't yeah. that don't go to term because you 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 you've killed a child basically in the view of the Alabama Supreme Court. This is very extreme and this will go to the US Supreme Court. I would expect I so. think it's going to be overturned because the standard has been up to this point in in America. The the basic standard and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the basic standard has been that when a when an embryo when an unborn fetus is capable of living outside of the mother's body, then it, it is worthy of protection from the state at that point. And it's generally been about seven months. Of course, with new medical advancements, I'm, I'm sure that is that has changed. But when, a, um, when an unborn um, fetus, whatever, child, 
baby, whatever you want to call it, when the unborn uh, child uh, can live outside of the, the mother's body, then it is, um, it, it is protected by the laws of the state. It becomes a ward of the state, just like after a child is born. A child is a ward of the, a ward of the state. So uh, th- if they're going to refer to frozen embryos as children, this is a major, major ruling. And I think it's going to be uh, quickly overturned by the Supreme Court. But then again, there are a lot of conservatives know, on the Supreme Court, so it may not. You I know, it may be not so be so sure overturned. about that at all. Yeah. And look, they they one of the justices on the Alabama Supreme Court, um, in his minority opinion, says or his dissent rather, the main opinions holding will mean the creation of frozen embryos will end in Alabama. No rational medical provider would continue to provide services for creating and maintaining frozen embryos, knowing that they must continue to maintain such frozen embryos forever or risk the penalty of a wrongful death act claim for punitive damages. And if it, and and they, if this goes up to the Supreme court and the Supreme court upholds the Alabama Supreme court's decision, brothers and sisters, this is going to be awfully difficult for some people to have babies that really want to have babies. Yeah. Wow. But, and, you know, sometimes this um, right wing radicalism um, just ruins it for, for, for good people. So uh, anyway, we'll see where this goes. But this is a breaking news. All right. Let's get to a few texts here uh, quickly. OK, I'll try to go quickly here as one that says Louisiana and every state's biggest asset is their people. Louisiana is always last or second to last in every state ranking that measures quality of life. Why? Because Louisiana does not invest in its people. Upper and middle class Louisiana citizens send their kids to private school. Louisiana is last in how much they pay their teachers. There are little to no state programs to help poor people, especially juvenile criminals. Companies do not want to move here because of high crime, poverty, and little to no qualified workers. Our children go to college and leave the state because that's where all the jobs are. And now we have a governor who wants to pass a tough on crime bill that increases prison time with no money for rehabilitation or social programs to stop kids from committing crimes in the first place. Yeah, let's see how this goes with the positive-negative flow of people in and out of Louisiana. Yeah, uh, let's see. Here's a text. Oh, that one's about something else. Okay, here's a... Regarding tough on crime, <laughs> we live in St. Slamini. Cute. <laughs> Uh, We know a young man who at 19 committed an armed robbery, although the guns were not loaded, along with four others. They stole $3,000 from a Circle K on Highway 59 and were caught that same night. No one was physically hurt, and they were subsequently sentenced to 30 years in prison with no chance of appeal. To me, this punishment doesn't fit the crime. A first offense for the then 19-year-old, And he's now in his 30s and still in prison. I have tried and tried to help him get early release, etc. I met with the local DA, state representatives. The young man has been a model prisoner, but the law is unfair. To put someone away for 30 years for a first offense is unconscionable. Well, look, I I think on the whole other end of this, you know, on on the other end of this, there is um, injustice. So, I mean, it it all needs to be looked at. All right. since the death penalty is being discussed, I, I, I can't help but uh, think about a movie that I saw years ago when it was done by local filmmaker Steve Scafidi, who joins us on WWL. Steve, good afternoon. Hey, guys. How you doing, Scoop? Good. Uh, this movie execution that you did was um, just profound. And, and what you did, and you can do a better job explaining it, 
the, the movie uh, just it follows the life of somebody on death row who is um, uh, in the process of being executed. And my memory of the movie is that you 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 don't know in the end whether he's actually executed or not. It the, the movie doesn't reveal that, but it takes you it takes you up to that point. Is is my memory uh, correct? You're kind of close, but not quite. Okay, not quite. You want me to yeah, clear please. it up for you? Yeah, please. Okay. Uh, the film follows the last seven days of a man on death row. Now, when I when I set out to cast the film. I wanted Billy Bob Thornton to play the condemned man. That was my original thought. I was looking at John Goodman to play the warden, people like that. Okay. Uh, I had this idea. I said, the heck with the actors, because I was having issues with the agents and all of this. I said, I want to get a real condemned man to play the role, a real priest and a real warden. And that's what I did. So we followed the last seven days of the man's life on death row. And we actually put you on the front row of that man's execution in the electric chair. So you see it through uh, surveillance cameras. I don't, I, I feel like there was something that was unanswered in them, but that, that, you know, that could be my mistake. I'm not, I'm not arguing with what the, the uh, part that was unanswered. The, the part that was unanswered yeah. is there, the condemned and right before the execution takes place, he calls Warden over to the chair. Now he's strapped down, everything's ready to go. The last rites were just read. And he calls the Warden over to the chair and he whispers something in his ear. And that part is, it's hard to understand it. And it, we loop it three or four times at the end of the film. And you can clearly hear it. But a lot of people to this day still there's a debate about what that what that condemned man told the warden, and but I can the, tell you the, what he says because okay, what's that? But the man was executed. Forgives, yeah, the man was executed. Yeah, but he he forgave the warden, and hmm. this is a scripted film. But there's people today that think they actually watched a real execution. Wow. So when I made the film, I wrote the screenplay. And But when I made the film, I wanted to put the audience in the front row so they could see with their own eyes what happens. And then they can decide, is it right or wrong to kill a man in the name of uh, justice? What I came away with at the end of the movie, and I'd forgotten some of this because this was a while ago. I thought it was just it was so well done, and it does indeed put you on the, on the front row. The movie is, is called Execution. Where can people, if they're interested, where can they see the movie? executionfilm.com and it's up on YouTube so you can see it on YouTube uh, go straight to executionfilm.com okay. and you can, you can see it with your own eyes I left with the idea and I ha had had the, the opinion that well, let me tell you, you, you know you do this and you're dead you know, we're going to kill you. We are going to, we as a society you do this, you commit this kind of crime we're going to kill you what I felt following the last seven days of his life, and, and, and uh, maybe people will disagree with, with this sense of humanity that I possess, but I felt like as bad as what he did was, that it was wrong. I'm not, and I'm not asking you to necessarily comment, Steve. I'm just sharing my opinion. Um, the, the movie made me think that, that it's wrong for us 
as bad as the crime was that this person committed, it's wrong for us as human beings to, in a calculated manner, take the life of another human being. And, and morally, it, 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 it was wrong seeing this, this human being, who wasn't obviously a human when he committed the crime, but I, uh, I felt like uh, after the, the movie that I had changed my opinion of the, of the death penalty and felt like it was wrong for us to, uh, in a calculated manner, take a, another human life. It wasn't a moment of passion. It is a calculated, planned out um, situation. But I also, you know, now when I, I see some of the crimes that are committed, I, I, I now feel like um, I, I, I could entertain the idea that, you know, somebody needs to be executed. You know, you know, you're not alone in you feeling like maybe we should kill this guy, even though he committed this horrendous crime. Right. right. Uh, the reason why I told that story is exactly what I wanted. Either I wanted your response or I wanted the other side to be able to say, OK, let's kill. him." I mean, it's just yeah. that bad. And. When we screened it at Tulane University, when we premiered the film, we had 1,500 people in the audience, and we polled the audience coming out the theater at McAllister Auditorium. And I'd say 75% were like, there's no way we should be executing this man. And, and the crime was horrendous. Right. He killed an entire family in cold blood, right? And last year, I was invited to screen the film at the in Germany at the Amnesty International Film Festival in Munich, Germany. So there's no way Amnesty International is going to invite me to screen that film unless they felt the exact same way yeah. you did. You know, there was just something interesting that happened to me as I as I as I watched this, and I I, I realized that it is the taking of a human life after the fact. That if you could have if you could have killed this man while he was committing the crime, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. But it was the calculated manner in which we go step by step to kill another human being right. that uh, that bothered me. And as a filmmaker, you did an excellent job. And so I recommend if anybody wants to see a really uh, fascinating movie, it's you know it's it's not a lot of uh, glitz and glitter. It's um, it's raw, but it's real. It's raw and it's real. The movie's called Execution, and Steve Scafidi is a uh, the director and a filmmaker. Uh, and you can go to uh, YouTube, executionfilm.com. Uh, yeah, that's the website. Just okay. go to executionfilm.com, and you can read about the film. You can get some behind-the-scenes video and pictures and everything else. Right. It's, a, it's pretty powerful. All right. Steve, thanks for spending time with us. Great talking to right, you. Thanks. thanks. Steve Scafidi, okay, and the uh, the film can be found at executionfilm.com. It's really, really um, compelling. I'm Scoot on the air, and we'll be back on WWL. I highly recommend this movie, Execution, uh, even if you're very uh, decided about the death penalty, and especially if you're undecided. It's really a very compelling movie by uh, Steve Scafidi, following the last seven days of somebody in Angola who is about to be executed. And you can uh, go on YouTube and go to executionfilm.com. All right, let's go to uh, Kelly in Mississippi. Kelly, you're on WWL. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Scoot. How are you? I'm good. 
my brother was murdered four years ago um, by, quote-unquote, a friend, a much younger friend. He worked in Hoover, Alabama for Blue Cross Blue Shield, and this kid was a college student, and my brother was fixing his computer. And they had an argument, no fight, no nothing, no drugs involved, nothing. And this kid left my brother's apartment, went down to his apartment and got his gun, went back to his friend's apartment and asked him if he wanted to come with him and went upstairs. And my brother had just gotten home. They lived in Ocean Springs from celebrating his son's birthday the day before. So my brother was on the phone with his son telling him he'd made it back and everything. When he opened the door and saw the gun, he tried to shut the door. And the guy shot him three times in the groin, and he hmm. bled out. It took 18 minutes for him to bleed out. Oh. Well, in Alabama, the only way you get murder is if you kill a police officer. So the grand jury indicted him on manslaughter. And that was, it took four years to get it to court with a lot of pressure from the family. And we ended up accepting a plea deal of two years in prison. He's 25 years old. And Mm. justice is not, this is my opinion. Justice is never gotten here on earth. Justice is the Lord's. And one day he will have to face that. But I do believe in accountability, and at one time I was all for the death penalty. But as y'all were talking about that movie, in my mind I was living the last seven days of that man's life, and it just tore me up. I, I don't agree with it anymore. His life is forever changed. His family's life is forever changed. He's now convicted of a felony, and we can't get my brother back, and hopefully he will get out and do something good with his life. You know, my reaction to seeing, you know, this this documentation of this man's last seven days alive and the steps that were taken— okay, this is a step that needs to take place, and then this happens, and then this happens. To see the calculated steps that were taken to take a human's life, even though it was the law, uh, really caused me to, to really question the, the death penalty. And I'm so sorry for your, for your loss. And if, if anybody would be in favor of the, the death penalty of this person dying, it, it would be you, and people would understand. And there, there may be cases, I mean, I'm not going to lie, there may be cases where, you know, I would want somebody to die, even though I might, in some situations, feel like I'm against the death penalty. I agree with that, and I think about Linda Fricky. I do yeah. think about that. But y'all made it so real just for me as a listener to imagine the last, and I am going to watch it, the last seven days of that man's life. And I would not want to be a person in charge of any part of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, Kelly, I understand. And, and again, I'm sorry for, for your loss. And I, I think you're, you're a brave person to, uh, to have this attitude about, um, uh, about this, this, this topic because it hits so close to home for you. But are you doing okay? We are, and I'll tell you why. 
My, well, I am. I'm not going to say we because everybody's not doing okay. But my brother called me regularly on his way home from work in Alabama. And he called me that Wednesday night and then that Thursday night. And we had a joint call with his wife, and we were just talking. And he kept saying, Kel, no matter what, give all the God, glory to God. No matter what, do you hear me? Yes, Rob, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I know what you're saying. No, you don't understand. Wow. And I said, sometimes I think our soul knows something that our mind might not know. Yeah. I think I think and, you're I think I think you're right. I think some people have a premonition of their own their own death. So his words comfort me to this day. Kelly, I appreciate your call. And thank you for listening and to our show. You. I love your show. Yeah. Thank you. I'm Scoot, and we'll be back on WWL. All right, coming up in the in the next hour, this is, in, in terms of the world of rock, uh, there was a horrific event that uh, took place on, on this day in 2003. It was 21 years ago, and it was just anybody who's ever been to a concert can relate to how horrific this uh, event was. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that coming up in the next hour. If you're on hold, stay with us. More of your calls, more of your texts coming in. And we'll also uh, maybe continue to talk about the Alabama Supreme Court ruling that all frozen embryos are children. That is a major, major ruling that is certain to make it to the Supreme Court. And how will the Supreme Court react to that? Should frozen embryos be considered children? I'm Scoot, and we'll be right back. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 